This is December 10th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. And this is a show, I would say, <clears throat> that has a main topic that I think will be talked about a lot uh, in the next few months. And this will probably be the first show where it's discussed. So in this show, I had on Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal, who I think is one of the best uh, hockey writers in Boston, maybe in the country right now, uh, but we'll keep it hyper-focused to Boston. Um, and we talk about Taylor Hall. And that's going to be something that's going to start getting ramped up as the trade deadline gets closer, storylines die down. Uh, trade stories never go anywhere. Um, so as the team's storylines sort of start to get worn out, the trade ones, they're always hot. And Taylor Hall, I think, is the hottest we've had a, in a while around here. Um, uh, the Bruins have possibly been linked to. So that's something that we go really in-depth on in this episode. It'll probably be something we, we discuss in future episodes. Uh, before, though, we did in the episode, I want to tell you about uh, betonline.ag. They're my good friends. And football, basketball, hockey seasons are in complete full swing. Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Again, it's your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional uh, in any of the sports. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. You can even bet on wild proposition bets. Who will be the first head coach to get canned? Who's going to win NBA MVP, NFL MVP, whatever you'd like. You go bet on it. You win a bunch of money, and you thank me later. Get the fastest to-market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device, which is really fun, actually, if it's on your mobile, on, on your iPhone or your phone, whatever you have, Droid maybe, who knows, to join and use promo code CLNS50. Again, promo code CLNS50 at the website to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? I am grinding through this December. It is weird to me. It's raining right now. Uh, and it just snowed a ton last earlier last week. Now it's raining. It's starting to get warmer. What's the deal with this? What is the deal with this? I have no, I have no answer for you. I'm just happy it's rain right now because we saw what happened when Boston was, you know, completely crippled by four inches of snow. So I'm just scaring up what's going to happen, you know, when we get to January or February when it actually is like some legit snowstorms. Cause like, if this is what it's going to be like before, like I had to walk to the garden, uh, before the, uh, uh, which game was it? Before the Chicago game. It was like the first bad omen of how that game was going to go. It was that I had to walk from Southie all the way to the garden because for some reason the infrastructure of the city like does can't can't handle you know a little a, a few sprinkles now and again. However, I'm going off on a tangent, so uh, this is about all I will say. But my God, this city sometimes. No, and that's the funny thing. Like this city is building itself up so much, which is awesome, which is great. Like have at it. Boston getting bigger. You got the hub on Causeway. Other places are building up. That's awesome. But the roads can't handle the amount of people. It can't do it. And it's something that everyone's talking about. 
Like, this city really can't handle all the people in it. Like, I live in Framingham, and they're building this huge apartment complex in this already congested area of now Framingham's a city, so of the city. How the hell are all these people going to be able to coexist and drive places? I mean, it. I don't know. I don't even want to see it. I don't want to even have to deal with it. It's terrible. It's stupid. And I like how we opened with this because this. We got, we got, we got the grievances out of the way, right? Like that's, It's the airing of the grievances. It's December. Yeah, it's it's exactly. almost Festivus. We'll air the grievances. Right. What's funny is that's probably the most passionate we'll get in this podcast because yeah, it's early December talking about the Bruins. Uh, but there is something this week. And this is going to be a thing that I think is not exclusive to this episode. It's been talked about um, other places up until this episode. It's, you know, going to be talked about for the next couple months barring a deal happens Taylor Hall Taylor Hall is going to be a big topic of conversation uh, the Bruins were kind of talked about as maybe a team that would that would uh be interested in him um there are many other teams involved uh because you know the Devils are just collapsing as we know it we see it the Bruins have played him a few times and they look horrid so Taylor Hall on the Bruins yes or no uh, well, I think it depends on the price. I think obviously if there's a, a deal to be made where I think for the, the Bruins perspective, right? Like, I mean, they'd obviously love to add a guy like him. I mean, for all the, you know, the, the, the carousel of wingers that David Krejci's had to deal with over the last couple of years. I mean, you got that, you got a guy with Killer Hall, that's all set. Well, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you can switch around that top six, but you've got six legit guys who you can slot and know what you're going to get from them every single game. Um, you know, you're able to put Charlie Coyle either, you know, at, at the, you know, third line center spot where he's kind of at, kind of at his best, I would say, in terms of where he's probably most comfortable. Um, and that also helps you drive a line where you have, you know, let's say Andrews Bjork or Heinen or some of those guys where like, you know, Andrews Bjork's made a, you know, a lot of good strides this year, but I don't know how much you're kind of helping his game out when he's with like a, a Paul Lindholm or something like that, a guy who's not really proven to drive a line, you know, like Andrews Burks, you know, taking a lot of good steps, but he still needs a, I think a puck dominant kind of center to kind of set the tone to, you know, create that ozone time that allows him to kind of get those chances. Um, so, I mean, adding him on paper, you know, it makes plenty of sense for the Bruins. I mean, you saw, I think, you know, they were able to add pieces last year that obviously made a, made a huge uh, impact with Coyle and Johansson, but you have to wonder if, you know, if the Bruins went all in and just kind of, you know, went for a guy like Mark Stone or something like that, like how much that extra push would have put them over the top. I mean, they came three periods away from winning the Stanley Cup. So you had a guy like Mark Stone who, you know, the, you know, Vegas kind of coughed up, you know, a good amount, but it wasn't anything where you see the, the, the final haul and you're like, oh my God, like, I feel like, you know, they had a, a few picks and like Bandstrom who's been sent, I think, back down to the AHL. It's not like he's like a, uh, like a Shabbat or one of these guys where he dropped him in the lineup and he's, you know, contributing right away. Um, so I think from that perspective, like Bruins would love to have him, but it's what you want to give up for him because you got to, you know, navigate the price. And I don't think the Bruins really want to take too much NHL talent away from this group, you know, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I think at this point, if you've got this kind of maxing out this short window, I think, you know, guys like Beck and Einan or, you know, some of these other defensemen, Lozon, um, all these guys are, I think, at this point are up for grabs. Like maybe Stanika is the one where you're like, all right, we should probably want to hold on to him. Um, but when you can, you know, you look at what you know New Jersey wants, and New Jersey's rebuilding, but they still, I think, want some tangible NHL talent back. So what do you give up? 
Grizzlick or DeBrusque, Heinen, some of these guys to add to the mix. I don't think the Bruins necessarily want to do that for a guy who you probably don't re-sign in terms of how much money he's probably going to get on the market. And then the biggest thing is just the current cap situation, which, you know, maybe you, you convince Ray Shero to, you know, eat some of that money so you don't have to do some you know, major cap shuffling because the Bruins are right up against it. But, you know, all right, maybe Jersey eats some of that money, but, you know, that's going to cost you another pick or another player or something to sweeten that deal for New Jersey. So um, I think Bruins would love to have a guy like him, but I think it all depends on the cost and considering what value Taylor Hall brings. I just have a feeling that there's going to be more teams that are either have the cap space or are more willing to pile with established NHLers that I think, you know, the Bruins are probably going to fall short on that kind of sweepstakes. So my view on the Taylor Hall thing is you try not to give away established NHLers from this Bruins team. Other teams might obviously try to give up some established NHL players, but the Bruins shouldn't. You know, this is their crew. This is the, you know, you want to do whatever you, t- uh, whatever you can do to keep the current crew of players together. That being said, I think you give up any prospect except for Studnika and any draft pick for Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Here's why. This is, if, if last year was not the last chance the cup, this probably is, you know, for this crew of players, for this veteran core, you know, everyone, you know, at the, in the, in last year's cup said, Oh my God, it was their last chance. They'll never have an easier road. They'll never have, uh, you know, the, the, the stamina to get there, that the stats, the way that those guys were all playing together. Now this year's here. <laughs> and this year, the, the way the Atlantic division's shaking out, I know it's early, but you know, Toronto's have, have had their troubles. Tampa's had their troubles. A lot of stuff going on there. The Bruins are so far ahead of everybody else, which in the NHL is not good. You don't want to be the best team, which it'll be a future episode, but they got to start losing some more games because if they're the President's Trophy winner, we know they're not going to the Stanley Cup final. However, you get Taylor Hall, you solidify that second line. The only real hole on this Bruins team is pretty much the right side of David Krejci. The only legitimate hole that probably needs to be filled is the right side of Krejci. If you ha- if you rolled into the playoffs with Marshan Bergeron Pasternak as your top line, DeBrusque Krejci Hall as your second line, and then the third and fourth lines as they are right now, you have no holes on offense. Unless someone really starts to slump, unless uh, barring an injury, you you get line you get line advantages or excuse me matchup advantages. You get all that stuff that Bruce Cassidy loves. And let's say they don't win the cup. They tried. They went all in for it, and it failed. Now that's something that's going to come back to bite Sweeney. If you give up guys like Vakaninen, if you give up, you know prospects like that, uh, you know if you have to part with a Trent Frederick or uh, you know a, a Lazan or a, a Sanishin or Zaboral, you know you can get criticized for that. If you give a first round pick up, become somebody, you get criticized for that. But part of your farm system, part of getting prospects, the first one's getting the right ones, and the second one is picking is picking the right guys to keep and the right guys to send. And Taylor Hall is the guy that you need to get. They need to get Taylor Hall. And not, I feel like not enough people are saying this. This, a Bruins team like this only happens once in a generation. Really. When you think about it, the, the blend of, the blend of, uh, old talent, young talent, two elite, two goalies who play elite. You don't get that often. You go in for this. And if you have to give up pieces of the future, you give up pieces of the future. Now, when you start putting in guys like Danton Hine into a deal or Matt Grizzlick, then it's not as great because you're kind of giving up guys like that. If I had to pick anybody on this team, it would be a Matt Grizzlick or a Connor Clifton or someone like that because you have 
defensemen who I think are a little bit more NHL ready to to make mm-hmm. a big step uh, and to sort of cover for a guy like Krizlik. And also you have the expansion draft coming, which is something we all have to start thinking about. But yes, in my opinion, I think you you've got to go for Taylor Hall. This an opportunity like this does not come around often. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, again, I think it's one of those things where it, it's all going to depend on what the devil's price is. Because I think if it's something where you don't have to take away guys from the NHL roster, I think the Bruins do it 100 times out of 100. Like, if it's, you know, Fackenheim and Frederick, you know, name your guys, first rounder, another couple of picks, uh, you know, I think they end up pulling the pl- you know pulling the trigger and doing it. Because, like, again, you have so many of these established guys up in the NHL right now, but you have also these younger guys who – as they continue to get better and better, they're going to kind of fill in those holes that you're kind of going to miss in that development pipeline, more or less, you know, where you've got McAvoy and Kahlo and, you know, Grizzlick and, you know, Dabrowski and Bjork, all these guys are going to keep on, you know, you'd expect getting better and better. And those are going to kind of fill in some of those gaps you'll probably miss by getting rid of a guy like back in Iron who could probably play on, you know, 10, 12 lesser teams right now already, you know, um, I think that's one thing. It's just, in terms of what the Devils want from it, because I think if you give up, if you're going to, you know, pay a lot for Taylor Hall and a team like the Devils who, listen, like, you got to look at it from Ray Sherrod's perspective. Like, this team was supposed to be the winners of the offseason. They're supposed to make a big jump forward. Completely bottomed out. You got young, tangible talent that you still want to work with. You're trying to sell t- trading Taylor Hall who won the hot a few years ago. Is Erho Vakanainen, who's been up and down in the NHL, Trent Frederick, who's known for beating the bag out of Brendan Tanev and not doing much else going to excite you? Or is Jake DeBrusque, who's still an RFA, who scored 27 goals last year, who could probably be a, a top six guy next to Jack Hughes or Heischer going forward? Like, what does Ray Sherrill want? He wants those guys from your team. So that's the whole thing. Like, so if you're the Bruins and that's what Sherrill's stance is, I mean, maybe, you know, you, you still pull the trigger on a deal like that. Or, I mean – I think if you're a Sweeney's perspective and you want to put in those prospect, you know, chips more or less and a guy like Paul Mary or, you know, Foley, some of these guys who are already established 30 goal scorers on lesser teams, if they're available for price, we include just prospects or picks and fill the top six need. I think they look for guys like that because like, I mean, listen, Hall's a, a, a generate, not a generational, but an, an all-star heart trophy winner. He's a, he's a legit, you know, franchise player, but, I think if you have to pry guys out of the NHL roster, then I could see them looking for other guys who aren't like a, a throw-in guy. This isn't like, you know, Drew Stafford, you know, a few years ago. Drew where he's gonna, Stafford. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you had a guy like Paul Mary, who's, you know, a guy who's, what, had two 30-goal seasons, he's, he's at least hit 25, at least a couple of years. A guy like him, like, I could see them looking for, you know, someone like that who fits that role as an established top six guy who you put him next to Krejci, good things are probably going to happen. So I think, again, it all, I think the Bruins are all in in terms of, you know, making a move like that, but it's all on what Shiro is going to dictate in terms of that deal. Yeah. Palmieri uh, last had 30 goals in 15, 16. And then after that, it was 26 goals, 24, 27. Uh, He currently has 11 in 29 games this year. I agree. I think that if they have to start taking guys off the NHL roster, I think that's probably where the Bruins draw the line. Um, it de- I think for me, it depends on who you're taking. I don't think you want to get a guy like DeBrusque. If you absolutely had to do Danton Heinen, I wouldn't love doing that. I don't think that's the best move. Mm-hmm. But for Taylor Hall, maybe. For, ta- yeah. for a guy like Taylor Hall, maybe it is worth it. Um, it's kind of like how the Bruins gave up Blake Wheeler for Rich Peverly way back in the right. day. Like, I, I, Obviously, Peverly is not Taylor Hall's caliber. And Blake Wheeler actually became like 
a legitimate NHL, you know, top tier player. Um, never thought I'd say that, <laughs> but right. he has. Um, but I do think if you start to pull into uh, the NHL roster, it's going to be a problem. I also think, you know, with, if, to get Taylor Hall, the Bruins are not in a great spot to get him. I mean, again, the cap space is a huge issue. The Devils have to, would have to retain some of the salary, and that would cost another prospect or draft pick. Presumably not, you know, a super high prospect or a super high pick. It'd probably be like a, uh, you know, a second or a third, maybe a fourth or fifth rounder. I know the Bruins don't have their fourth round pick from this year because of the Johansson deal last year. Um, but so the, the odds are stacked against them. You have teams out west who – you know, have more NHL ready pieces to give. Um, also, the Bruins are in the same conference, which the Devils probably don't ideally want to do. I mean, again, they're in a salty position. This was the team that was supposed to have the, you know, they had the off season of the year. You know, you got Jack Hughes, PK Subban, um, uh, Nikita Gusev, like all these guys who are supposed to, you know, uh, you know, revitalize the Devils. And, you know, Corey Schneider's gone, you know, in net, they're a mess. Subban's been wildly overrated. Hughes has been okay. I mean, it's just a very average roster, and they have right. been tough out of the not great out of the gate. Obviously, Taylor Hall is not signing long term. Um, but I also think they're, this is going to kind of this deal. I mean, I'd also be interested to see if this deal for them, if 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 trading for ta- trading away a guy like Taylor Hall, if they get you know three or four NHL ready pieces back, well, that's a lot. But if they got two, let's say, or three, yeah. that could be enough to kind of maybe turn the team around or make yeah. them competitive in future years. So you never really know, I guess, with with that. But for me, t- if you can get Taylor Hall and you don't have to give up too much on the NHL roster and you give up whatever you want in the prospect pool, by all means, go do it. Because that, be that would be a wagon of a Bruins team, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so now to current uh, things with the Bruins. They proved against the Avalanche and against the Blackhawks that you can't play every game from behind with five minutes left in the third period. Am I right? It's not really a sustainable, uh, you know, road to success. So, no, I think it's uh, been proven false the last couple of games. Yeah, and it's weird because I think that, you know, they're a resilient bunch. They're never out of games. You know, there was a stretch, like, the past couple of weeks, feels like every game at home and every game in general is – they, you know, go into the third period down, and then it's like, well, they're going to come back. I mean, that's just what they do. They did it against the Blackhawks still and lost in overtime. I feel like that was sort of the one where they kind of realized, all right, we can't do this. And then they had the dud against the Avalanche um, on Saturday night. Do they need to Do they need to maybe lose some games here? Because are they too good? Are they peaking too early? Um, I, don't, I don't really buy too much into the peaking too early thing in terms of, you know, like there's a – it's like the, you know, a finite set of, uh, you know, energy they have, but I think it's at least good for them. And it's something that Marcian mentioned after the Colorado game, where, I mean, that game kind of wasn't even close in terms of, you know, they get that early goal from, from Wagner. You're like, oh, you know, this maybe that, whatever that streak is, where I think they've lost like every regulation game at the Garden against the Avalanche since like 98 or something like that. There's some crazy streak going on with Colorado. Is that true? Like, yeah, Bruins haven't beaten Colorado in regulation, at least, uh, since March 30th, 1998. So that was, like, with, like, Donato and, like, Mike Sullivan on the team and stuff like that. That was so before I was born. That, well, now I feel old, too. Thanks, thanks, Evan. Um, <laughs> no but, no, it's, I mean, they've already got, like, that crazy streak going. And then just, you know, the way the Avalanche are playing right now, like, they kind of remind me now, at least, how they're playing of, like, the uh, the, the Western Conference's capitals 
where they're like a team that's got a lot of skill all throughout. They also got some big bodies that like, all right, if you want to kind of counter their skill and you want to just dump the puck in and try to, you know, win the four check battle, got guys like Ranton and Landis Skog and, you know, Cattery wasn't playing in that game, but, you know, another guy like him, um, where like, you know, it, it, they can kind of adjust to however you're playing and kind of counter it. Um, so they're obviously a very, very good team, but Martian kind of more or less mentioned that, you know, they, they open with a dud really start that game. And sometimes it's good just to get that more or less wake up call where it's, you know, they, they've been really haven't been playing like a full 60 minute game for weeks now. And yet they've been collecting points regularly. You know I mean? That's a sign of a good team where you can kind of, you know, rely on your B game and then just ramp it up for a couple of minutes and you win games like the Carolina game or what they scored the, the two goals in the last like four or five minutes of the game. Um, so I think, you know, again, that's a sign of a good team. But Mar- as Marshan said, where sometimes it's good to lose a game or two. I think it's, you know, good for them to kind of get that reality check that, you know, we can't we can't be cruising through these, these games, especially against a team like Colorado that's going to make you pay uh, really, really quick. So I wouldn't say they're peaking uh, too soon. But, you know, I, I wouldn't even call this peaking right now because, I you know, I'm trying to think the last time we saw them really play like a dominant game, you know, against an opponent for 60 minutes. It's probably like that 8-1 game against Montreal, which was oh, yeah. seven games ago. And they had a few games before that where they really dominated New Jersey in New Jersey. But, I mean, how many of these games, even the games where they, you know, come back and won or something where, you know, beyond like a, a strong, you know, 30 minutes or something like that, you've seen them really kind of hem guys, hem teams in, really kind of take, take the play. You really haven't seen it, so... I think you have a situation now where it's like, I still think they're kind of building their game. And that's something that Cassidy always talks about is progression of a year, just building your overall identity in your game. And um, I think it's still a work in progress for them because they've still got lineup, you know, issues to kind of sort out and the absence of Bergeron hurt that quite a bit. But um, yeah, I would say it's just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it peaking just because they haven't really played like a complete game in a long, long time. So again, they're still getting points. So you can count that, I guess, as peaking, but, you know, it, it seems like they're all kind of pulling these wins out of like, you know, the last second or, you know, that, that, I mean, that Minnesota wild game, which is just like, that, that's one where you're like, all right, well, there's something just crazy going on with this team right now where they're able to get, you know, two points out of that, especially. So. Yeah. I don't think they're peaking too early. Um, uh, what's funny is before Saturday, the last Bruins regulation loss on garden ice was none other in Game yeah. Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, I tweeted that out, and I didn't get a good reception back. Yeah, every time it was twisting the knife a little bit. So I saw your tweet about that and the replies, and every time I tweet something regarding uh, that Stanley Cup Final, especially Game Seven, I know, like when Matt Grizzlick scored that wrist shot goal uh, against New Jersey, I said, "Man, this looks just like the goal he scored at the end of Game Seven. And people were like, "What the hell? Like, how could you say that?" And I love it. I love I love Bruins Twitter. They're good people. Um, what's funny though is with the Bruins getting all these points, now let's think if they weren't, let's say they came out and they were average or struggling. They're gaining so much ground on the Maple Leafs and the Lightning right now. Maple Leafs are currently at 32 points. Lightning are 31. Bruins are at 46. They have so much ground on them. Now imagine if the Bruins were sucking right now, we would be saying, look, the Maple Leafs and and Lightning aren't doing well either. This is your chance to gain ground in the division. This is your chance to be the one seed at the end of the year, and they're blowing it. It's not. They're getting all these points right now, and they're gaining ground on, on, a, on a weird Atlantic division. Every week I say this, but this, it's such a weird division right now. Panthers and Sabres, second and third. Canadians, fourth. Fifth, sixth, seventh. 
Maple Leafs, Lightning, Senators, and then the Red Wings aren't even a real hockey team anymore. I mean, that team <laughs> even, is, though, even though they do have a regulation win against the Bruins. They, uh, there it is. That's how that, that's what makes that's what keeps them in the NHL. They're now relegated to the AHL. But the division is very, very weird. Yeah. No, I mean, when you look at Florida's not particularly surprising just because, I mean, you look at especially like their kind of uh, their top six and, you know, they've got even like a guy like Brett Conley's really been on a roll this year, but you know, Sasha Barkov and uh, you know, Hubert Doe and those guys, I mean, they've got dynamic guys kind of there on the blue line with Yandel and Ekblad. And then more or less last year, what did the men was their goaltending. And this year, well, you know, they get Bobrovsky to that mega deal. And honestly, he's been pretty trash. Like he's not terrible. So bad, but they're still managing to, they're kind of like the Bruins where they're, you know, something there's, Something not quite right, but they're still collecting points at a, a good rate. And uh, I think over the last couple of weeks, especially, Bobrovsky's kind of turned the corner a little bit, which you'd feel is inevitable for a guy like him. You know, that, that contract's going to look real, real bad, you know, two, three years for, for a long, long time. But you still expect a guy like him to at least be a above average goalie, which he hasn't been. But you imagine he's going to probably turn the corner at some point this year. So I think Florida has a lot of staying power, but, um, Again, it's benefit of the Bruins where, you know, it's, again, one of those situations where they haven't really peaked yet at all, but they're still, you know, building this lead that I, I think, like, right now their lead is better or, or on the same level as it was last year with Tampa, where Tampa kind of started trying out the gate and then just kind of kept on coasting from there. Um, and, again, you, you would expect Tampa, which has just been, like, an odd situation the whole year. Like, Toronto – their struggles, you could, you know, chalk it up to coaching or you can chalk it up to the fact that defense is still very bad. You know, there's, there's evident flaws with Toronto that you kind of expected that have been, you know, as advertised. But then you look at Tampa and the skill that they have and you just see like some of these games where it seems like they just come out flat. You kind of, you know, question what's kind of more or less going on there. But I still think when you look at just the talent level of Tampa, that they're still going to pull it together. Um, and it's still kind of same same thing with Toronto. Like, it did themselves a hole, and I don't think they're going to be, you know, surging to get 100 points a year or something like that. But I still imagine they're still going to be in the mix, um, which would be very ironic if the Bruins somehow get the one seed and, like, the Maple Leafs get the, the wild card and they get matched up again. Like, the, the one year where <laughs> you think it wouldn't be and they still get stuck. Like, I could see that. I can see that happening more now than, like, what it would be before where it's, like, you know, two, three seed or something like that. Um that would just be Toronto's luck, but it's been, it's been a very odd, you know, start and Sabres, you know, start strong, really kind of hit the brakes and they're playing better now. Obviously Eichel's taken like another really big step forward for them, but shout so out you look at the, shout out to BU. Um, and then, but I mean, you look at the whole division, it's just been weird. Like the, again, the Bruins are, you know, collecting points at this crazy rate, but again, I still don't think they're like this, buzzsaw of a team right now you know they're they're doing you know what needs to be done to win these games but you're not seeing leagues like you're not seeing like what Tampa did last year where they were just skating around other teams well the one problem we know the Bruins have <laughs> and need to fix is they need an enforcer they really that, do need if, an enforcer I mean it just imagine dude like they probably not I don't think they'd lose game in regulation if they just had a guy who could beat the bag out of guys they, they would have won all four of their losses, and they would have the, the overtime losses as well. And they would have also been better in shootouts. So mm-hmm. there's that too. If you had a guy yep. like John Scott on the ice, you're not losing in a shootout. That's for sure. Um, 
One thing though that, that has worried, this is serious. This isn't like me kidding. <laughs> yes. What actually kind of has, has me worried lately has, has me worried. It's been a really long day. Um, but <laughs> what, what's gotten me a little bit is teams are starting to go after Pasternak. They are. And rightfully so. I mean, the guy's the leading goal scorer in the NHL, you know, you kind of have to take, you, you have to find a way to contain him and teams have figured out be physical with him. And now I know he said after the game, um, which game was it? It was last week. He said he didn't mind the, the, the Chicago game where Smith kind of rocked him. Yeah. So lately he's been getting hit a lot more and the way he's reacted to it has kind of raised some eyebrows for me. I remember in the Minnesota game, Eric Dumba was really physical with him. And there were a few times when Poshnok would go off the ice and it just kind of, you know, glide to the bench, kind of his body language was very like, Oh, screw this. Um, and every time he gets hit, it's kind of, you know, a weird reaction to it. Uh, there was a thing with Warren Fogel where he pulled him down. Um, Jonathan Taves hit him in overtime, uh, when he had the puck and Poshnok kind of thought he got tripped up and he kind of raised his hands to the ref as Taves goes the other way and scores little things like that make me think, well, maybe they are doing the right thing by getting all over him. But there's no way you can protect that with enforcers. Enforcers are not going to make a difference. Just because one guy's on the ice does not make a difference um, whether a guy gets hit, gets hit or not. If you want to shut Poshnok down, you got to do that. But should I be worried at how Poshnok's responding to the physicality? Well, I think Cassidy kind of mentioned this, especially after the Chicago game where obviously he was very visibly frustrated. When you, I mean, you got the Smith hit, obviously, and then you got the Taze, you know, the contact there. Um, I think Cassidy more or less chalks it up to, you know, Pasternak's Again, he's got 25 goals in whatever it is now, 29, 30 games. Like, the guy gets frustrated when he's not, as I think Cassidy said, contributing the best way he can, which is scoring goals. So when he's kind of tied up, uh, unable to get, you know, much separation, especially along the boards, and he's getting knocked around, obviously he's going to be pretty pissed, you know. Um, but I think from the Bruins' perspective, it's all about how you counter, you know, them kind of targeting your skill guy. And, it's you know, David Backus talked a lot about it this week, and Cassidy especially. Um, but how you're able to kind of combat physicality in today's NHL where obviously guys aren't rolling out, you know, goons who are only kind of out there to, you know, knock heads around or something like that. And Zach has kind of more or less mentioned that the way to, you know, combat, you know, Pasta not getting targeted is not to go, you know, beat the crap out of a guy like Zach Smith, which like had to be done, you know, in terms of like, you know, standing up to your teammates. So John Moore, who is not the guy you want in that situation. But like, again, yeah, someone had to more or less answer the call there, but, you know, if you're going around knocking around like him or, you know, Andrew Shaw, these guys, you know, for the Chicago Blackhawks point of view, it's like, all right, well, these are the guys who more or less signed up for this kind of job where it's, you know, knocking guys around. So back is like, you know, what you what you have to do is then you play Patrick Kane tough or Jonathan Taze and give them a, a good hit. Not like, you know, take them out or anything by any means like that, but play them tough as well. And Maybe that causes a situation where, you know, then Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane on the bench are like, hey, ease up because I'm getting rocked now. So that's more or less, I think, how teams in today's NHL have to, like, you know, kind of police the game and, uh, you know, account for those situations. So, but again, it's easier said than done. There could be just one dude who, uh, some, you know, AHL call up or some guy who's brought in that just wants to, you know, make an impact and just cracks a guy like Pasternak or something like that. And then, you know, you could retaliate and take out another stop player, but that's not, again, that's not what the NHL wants. Like it's, it, it's tough to kind of find that, that middle ground that where, you know, you obviously don't want to have guys, you know, don't want line brawls. You don't want, you know, guys getting taken out injured long-term, but 
it's all about kind of matching that physicality with the other team's skill and finding those opportunities. And, uh, you know, it's curious to see what's going to happen, especially let's see, like, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, when this game comes up this week or Washington, where both those guys have very established style players. And if, you know, Pasternak continues to get knocked around by some of that bottom six of that defense, you know, is a guy like Kucherov or Stamkos or Point or, you know, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, or those guys going to be the ones that kind of get put in the crotches as well. So it's an interesting dynamic of just how the game has shifted so much in the last, you know, 10 years, you know, even even less, honestly. I mean, you've got, you know, just a few years ago, John Scott and these guys were like had regular roles up in the NHL. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. So I think you'll see probably quite a lot this week, especially in terms of, you know, how these teams are going to, you know, handle Pasternak and how the Bruins respond. It's all kind of mapped out in terms of how the Bruins have a, have a response ready if Pasternak is still getting knocked around like that. Yeah, the Bruins need the Malow line back. They need the Malow line. That's what the Bruins. Yeah, need. exactly. No, no, you have to you have to do the accent and you have to have like multiple English pronunciations. About is how you really get the proper uh, radio caller uh, impression down. Yeah, the days of Sean Thornton. I mean, they were so good back then. That's the reason they won the cup. There's a reason yeah. when Sean Thornton was brought to the 2011 uh, Stanley Cup final, they uh, won the series. That's how it works. Um, yeah. no, my Boston accent sucks. Um, it's not like yours, which is actually very authentic. Um, but, uh, of course, and you're great at it. Uh, but Connor, thank you so much for joining. Um, I would say just go read Boston Sports Journal, but is there anything that, you know, that you're working on right now that people can look forward to? Uh, yeah, I've got some more stuff kind of planned out, some more, uh, lighter fun stuff. Uh, last week I had a, a good feature with, uh, Chris Wagner and, uh, Charlie Coyle kind of talking about them growing up and, uh, Ended up having some really fascinating stuff there. And we've got some stuff planned that's kind of, you know, away from the rank and kind of the NHL lifestyle that's coming up. But I've been talking to quite a few of the guys uh, about that, you know, leads to some pretty good stories and anecdotes. So be on the lookout for that, uh, ideally, before we get to the real holiday stretch here. But, um, again, every game, though, every day, we'll have plenty of content coming out. So uh, be sure to check BostonSportsJournal.com regularly. I agree. I concur. It's a great idea. Great investment. Uh, but Connor, thank you so much for joining. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Yeah.